In 2010, we were living in Florida. And a small group of us, um, after a student ministry night one night, we gathered around a young couple who had just recently gotten married. And they were really desperately wanting to have a child. And it just hadn't happened. And so we gathered around as a group and we laid hands on them. And we prayed, God, you are the God of creation. God, we pray that you would just bless them that you would provide a way for them to experience this miracle and to have a child. And we moved away. And as a lot of us do when we move away, we kind of, you know, we, we at least keep track of people on like Facebook or Instagram. We see, hey, what's going on with life? And so they were a young couple. And I always, as I would see them and I'd scroll past, I would just say a quick prayer. God, I've not seen a child in their life. God, would you just, would you meet their prayer requests? Would you answer this prayer? This was 2010 that we first prayed for them. It is now 2023. So they lived in this disappointment season of this unanswered prayer. And then the beginning of this year, about January, February, I see a post. We're pregnant. And I thought, praise God. This is awesome. And so the time goes on and, you know, it's fun to see the posts as people kind of go through that progression and women like right away when they're pregnant, they start pictures like this. It's like, I'm not bloated. I've not gained weight. I'm growing something in here. Even if there's hardly anything there, they really want you to see that. But you start to kind of see this progression. They find out it's a girl. Um, they're having their, their parties and their showers and it's now been months later, and I know it's about time that they should be at any moment giving birth. And then two weeks ago, this post was made. And I asked if I could share this, and she said I could. It says, hi, everyone. We have lived out our dream of pregnancy, but it has come to a halt on Monday morning. I woke up not feeling right and knew something was wrong. We went to the hospital, and what I felt was wrong was my biggest nightmare come true. Our sweet daughter went to be with the Lord that morning. My heart and life broke in that moment. She was the most perfect baby girl I'd ever seen. She was truly my promise fulfilled, and I spent two days in the hospital with her next to my side. Those are the worst but best two days I've ever experienced. This is a pain that no couple should ever have to go through. It hurts so bad. We just wish we could live out our dream with her here. Unanswered prayers. Maybe you've prayed for some parents to stay together and they're now going through a divorce. Maybe you prayed for God to open a door to a career, and it just seems like you're completely lost and still don't know where you're supposed to be going. There's godly fathers who are praying for their wayward sons to come back home, and they're still out far from Jesus. There's wives that are praying for their husbands to give up addictions, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. I know there's lots of loneliness in here today, and people that are praying, God, would you just bring me into right relationships and friendships? And it's just like, where is God at unanswered prayer? And it's, I, I know that that isn't the correct term. I know unanswered prayer isn't correct. God always hears, God always answers, but it does not feel like it at that moment. Especially when we hear this. John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus. He says, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to be with the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name 
so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Then you turn the next chapter, John 15, 7. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Then John 16, just the next chapter over, verse 23 says, in that day, you will no longer have to ask me for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In one short little section, less than two chapters, Jesus is making promises. If you ask anything, I'll do it. And I'm thinking, am I missing something here? God, what about my friend's womb? What happened? And some of us may be thinking, God, is it not your will that my son comes back to you? And we've got to look at this, and there's a major tension here. And a lot of times when we feel this tension, it makes us uncomfortable, it makes us uneasy. And this is a slight detour in our series. On Friday night, we talked about, we, we gave a, a little thought on um, give us this day our daily bread. And really, I, I talked about those words, us and our. That, that is a prayer of corporate prayer, that we pray for each other's needs, not just our own. But there are times when we pray for those needs and it just doesn't seem like God is moving at all. And honestly, this might be the most important message in this series and it's the one that I don't want to preach. I've struggled with it. I've prayed about it. I started writing a whole different message because I didn't like this one. I'm like, I don't want to preach this. But we're a church where we're going to say authenticity is going to be our approach and we're going to talk about the things that are hard. Because scripture talks about this. And just because it's hard doesn't mean we're going to sweep it under the rug. And, and a lot of times we're afraid to talk about this because I think we think if we talk about it, people will lose their faith. But the reality is every Christian I know has struggled at some point with disappointment in prayer. And if you haven't, you've only been a Christian for a couple minutes or you're lying. <laughs> so we've got to talk about this. I'm like, okay, how can I lighten the mood just a little bit? Because it's going to be heavy today. It's going to be like when you, you ever get those milkshakes that are really thick and you got to like just, it's not coming through. But eventually it's like, ah, oh, today that's what the message hopefully is going to be like. It's going to be a little hard. It's going to be thick, but I think we're going to get to where we can be, have some, some understanding, a piece of what God wants us to do. I came across this comic strip. It's a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip and you can kind of see it up there. And he's, he's praying, and it kind of, I'll go through it. He's grumpy because he's got a sled out there, and there's no snow. He says, if I was in charge, we'd never, see green, we'd never see grass between October and May. He looks up to the heavens, and he says, on three, ready? One, two, three, snow! Nothing. I said, snow! Come on! Nothing. Snow! Okay. Then don't snow. See what I care. I like this weather. Let's, let's just have it forever. Please, snow, please, just a foot. Okay, eight inches. That's all. Come on, six inches even. How about just six? I'm waiting. And if you're a parent, you've heard this language before. It's the, it's not real words. It's just kid words and adult words sometimes. And he finally looks up after he's exhausted. He says, do you want me to become an atheist? And this is kind of silly and ridiculous. And in a minute, we're going to get to kind of the truth that we can find even here. But let me just start before we, as we talk about unanswered prayer, I'm going to talk about one thing. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because our prayers are just dumb, okay? I'm, I'm going to be real blunt. 
Like you were the one, you knew you were late for work and now you're praying for God to like part the Red Sea of traffic. Or you're, you're the one that ate donuts every day for the last two years and now you're praying, God, help me to lose 10 pounds while I still keep eating these donuts. Sometimes our prayers, we're asking for magic genie and that's not who God is. But I know that there's a lot of us that we've prayed for something that's way more real than just praying for snow or our sports team to win. Um, we've prayed with things that are really difficult and sometimes we get to the end of it and we're like, God, do you just want me to give up on you? Like, where are you at? So first off, I want to say when it seems like God doesn't, isn't hearing you and isn't moving, that is legitimately painful and I don't want to brush any of that aside. I'm fully aware I've been there and I know some of you guys are there today and this message may be a little bit difficult. We're going to lean into what scripture has to say. So we're in a series called Teach Us How to Pray. And as I was starting to have this message, I thought, I don't want to give reasons of why God doesn't answer prayer because we can see some different things in scripture about how it teaches us about prayer. But honestly, there's sometimes, and there's lots of times, we're just like, I don't, I don't know. So I don't, want to, I don't want to give us reasons. I want to show us what to do when we're in that middle, when we're in that space where we feel a little bit disappointed when we feel like God's not answering because we're talking about teaching us how to pray. So scripture talks to us about what we can do when we're in those times. So I'm going to give us some different things. And it's all about keeping on going. Keep praying. So we're going to say some different things that we should keep praying. And the first one is this. We're in that season of disappointment. Just keep praying with more honesty. Keep praying with more honesty. There's something that God showed me a long time ago. If you don't know, you know, when I was younger, I was a hellion. And I did everything you could do to be stupid, including completely, I learned everything there was about God so I could just totally dismantle Christianity and speak against it. Along the way, God, he brought that, he redeemed all of those things. But God showed me this a long time ago that he's not afraid of my doubt. He showed me this a long time ago that he's not afraid of doubt. And scripture is full of stories of faithful people who doubted God. People like Abraham, Moses, Peter, Martha, people who are listed as very faithful people who doubted God. And doubt is one of the most common struggles for believers and especially in the Christian prayer life. And the truth is God's done a lot of things over the years with honest doubters. Because doubt, when acknowledged, spoken, surrendered to God, can become a doorway to deeper faith. When it is surrendered, spoken, and given to God, it can become a doorway for deeper faith. For some reason, along the years of Christianity, we've decided that doubt is like the ultimate no-no, and it's in opposition to faith. Doubt is not in opposition to faith. Unbelief is opposition to faith. Doubt is something we can struggle through and work through that'll make our faith stronger. Unbelief is just saying, I've pushed away from all of this. Tim Keller, an author and a uh, pastor says this, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. The strongest form of faith is one that's wrestled through doubt. Again, doubt that's acknowledged and surrendered to God can strengthen our faith. But doubt that's been glorified, doubt that's been way leaned into could be a doorway to step away from faith towards unbelief. And unbelief is living like, you know what, I've just made this decision that there is no God. It's a deliberate decision to reject Christ. 
And some people have given up on prayer because it doesn't feel like they've had their prayers met and answered. And so they've pushed away and rejected and decided to live in unbelief. But giving up on prayer is really difficult. Giving up on God, what you start to do then is you start to take on, okay, I'm giving up on this. So you become reliant on yourself. And really what you start to do is you become God because I now have to be in control. And when all of a sudden you've got to be in control, that leads to stress, anxiety, worry. And then when really hard times happen because they happen in everybody's life. And if somebody doesn't have God to go to for comfort and peace, they look to other things to bring them comfort and peace during those difficult seasons. Unhealthy codependent relationships, addictions. A lot of them, they'll turn to other ideals of faith that aren't actually leading them anywhere. That's why when we're struggling with doubt, we have to step closer to who God is. And some of us are like, well, how, how do I pray with more honesty? What does that look like? So the book of Psalms is known as the prayer book of the Bible. It's our prayer and worship book of the Bible. And there are 150 chapters in the Psalms. That's, each one is a prayer that shows how somebody has prayed to God, and it gives us some samples and examples of how we can come to God as well. And in those 150 prayers, nearly two-thirds of them are prayers of lament. And you might be like, well, what is lament? What does that mean? A lament is a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, confusion. A lament should be a way that Christians process grief and doubt in God's presence. Lament is being real with God. Let me just read one. Psalm 13. Psalm 13 says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide my, your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. One of the reasons I love the Bible is because it's brutally honest. If the Bible is just some propaganda tool, it is horrible at that because it shows a lot of the heroes in major times of struggle and, and depression and sin. And it's showing us here just how to be real with God. But a lot of us have a hard time doing this. But this psalm shows us that prayer isn't a place to just be good. Prayer is a place to be honest. Prayer is a place to be honest with God. And a lot of us struggle with prayer and we might think it's boring. And it's because actually what we're doing is not praying, we're pretending. We're coming to God with pretend time. And at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, remember he says, don't pray like the hypocrites, which means don't come and just put on an act and pretend. And a lot of us, we understand that we should have an awe and a reverence for God, but at the same time, he already knows what we're thinking anyways. He might as well just start saying it to him. We see those models in the Psalms of people that he didn't even start with worship. He started right away. God, where are you? What is this? And he comes right to him in prayer. Because faith grows deeper when we're just real with God. But I love how if you look through the majority of the, the psalms of lament, the majority of these psalms that are read like this, they'll start with this anger and confusion and frustration. But how did that end? It ended with remembering who God is, that he's still good. I still worship him. 
It's a, it's a remembering that, that that's where you come and you bring your doubt, you bring your frustration, you bring your confusion to God. But the way that you continue to lean in to strengthening your faith and not running to unbelief is you end by just saying, God, I love you. You're still good. You're still powerful. You've got this. So you can come to God and be real, but don't leave without remembering and centering yourself back on who he really truly is. So keep praying with honesty. When you're frustrated and you say those prayers, you're praying. When you're spending that time saying, God, where are you? You're praying. Don't stop praying with honesty. It's when you've decided to just say, skip this. That's when you've stopped and that's when you've given up in unbelief. Don't go there. So we're going to keep praying with honesty. This next one, I'm going to have to do a lot of explaining here because it, it, it can lead to some damaging things. We're going to keep praying with more faith. We're going to keep praying with more faith. Now, this one is going to be hard to grasp, and I want to be real careful when you hear this. I am not saying this. If you have more faith, God will answer your prayers. I'm not saying if you just have more faith, God will answer your prayers. That is prosperity gospel. That's word of faith type stuff. That's name it, claim it. I don't see that being told in scripture. I just don't see that there. God's blessings do not always mean some kind of a bountiful harvest in your bank account. God's blessings a lot of times are just peace and comfort that doesn't make any sense. And so I'm not saying if you just work up faith that you're going to get what you want. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you pray, have more faith. And I know you're all looking at me like, well, what are you talking about? You might be thinking, there's people right now that are praying for the cancer to be going away. And they have tons of faith. What are you talking about? This is going to be really hard to hear, but you've got to listen to me. And I, again, I have empathy if you're dealing with disappointment, discouragement, but I've got, got to say this. I have to ask a really hard question. Do you have faith in God, or is your faith in what you desperately want God to do? Is your faith in God or in what you want from God? I know that can be difficult to hear. First Peter, I'm going to read this passage from the message because it just reads really well, really poetic. First Peter chapter 1. This is talking about sometimes when we're dealing with frustration and disappointment. It says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. And the day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great that makes you feel, even though you have put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. That's huge, guys. Sometimes we go through things because we're actually coming out stronger on the other side. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing because you kept on believing. You'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. If we base our faith on God granting our desires and making life painless, we're right on the brink of losing it. If the only faith we have is in God doing stuff for us and not in who God is, we're right on the brink of always losing our faith when something really bad happens and suffering takes place and we don't know what to do. We say, well, God, if you're not going to fix this, I'm going to give up on you. You put your faith in God's actions, not in who he is. 
And it's difficult. It really is. But here's what faith is not. Faith isn't trying to gather as much hope and po- about the possibilities that can happen in your mind to reach a certain level of like, desire that your needs can finally be met. A lot of times we think faith is like this uprising of this mental hope. And if we have enough of it, we've built up our faith. It's not what scripture teaches us. This is going to sound silly, but I remember chaperoning a, a student trip a few years back. Um, we took a, a group of high school students to Orlando for this thing called Fine Arts Festival. Think America's Got Talent for Teenagers. Okay. And it's, it's kind of actually really stupid when you think about it, because they've got all these different categories like choir and preaching and, and solos, and they even had like puppeting. It's like weird. Um, but you're, we put all these students out there who we always are teaching not to judge each other on their be- behaviors and their abilities. And then we go and we say, hey, we're going to judge you on your behaviors and abilities. <laughs> but there's thousands of them there. We're in this huge conference center. And I remember watching them before they're about to go and do whatever their performance is and listening to them pray. And they would say, their prayers would be like this, God, we have faith in you to help us perform well. We believe that you are good. You've given us the talent to honor you. Our faith and our hope is in you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Your student pastor needs to teach you that that is, that is a weird prayer. But I'd look around and other groups are praying these same types of things. Faith, guys, isn't type, some type of hope that you just muster up when you need, when you have a need. Faith isn't just something that you muster up, oh, I've got a need, now I've got to muster up this hope in my brain. Faith is something you live out. It's a decision daily to follow Jesus. It's amazing how all of a sudden... We have a need, and then we say, well, I've got a lot of faith that God will meet this need. But then we don't follow what he's already asked us to do. Faith is believing and following who God is, not just when a need arises, but every single day. If you have faith, you're going to do the things that he's asked you. Faith is not some kind of divine currency that we earn by just gathering up hope so that we can cash it in when we finally need something. Faith is just a relational lifestyle living with God. We think if I just hope it enough and think it enough, I've got enough faith. But then at home, we don't serve anyone, which Jesus told us to do. We don't give generously, which we've been commanded to do. We don't love our enemies. We don't even love our neighbors, which Jesus commanded us to do. If we have faith, we'll be living like the Lord has told us to do these things, not just coming to him when we need something. And I know that's really difficult. But when God's not showing up, we got to keep praying with faith. And the way that we do that is just by daily living out a lifestyle that honors Christ. A prayer of faith is a life of action. It's a life of serving others. It's a life of giving generously. It's a life of loving our enemies. We're going to keep praying with more faith, which means we're going to just keep living a lifestyle that honors Christ. Don't ever think faith is just something you muster up and build up. Faith is something you live out every single day. And this last one we're going to do is we're going to keep praying more of God's promises. This brings us back to where we started, honestly, because I read a bunch of promises that Jesus had talked about when you come to him in prayer. And a lot of people, this is where they really struggle. They say, I cannot reconcile that Jesus said all these things and I'm not seeing these things happen. 
I'm not understanding how this makes any sense. God's got to give me the grace to say this. Here's the truth. On this earth, God has not promised us some things. He has not promised us on this earth healthy children. He has not promised us adult children who love and walk with Jesus. He has not promised us the perfect job. He has not promised us a perfect marriage. He has not promised us wealth. He has not promised us excellent health. Anyone who says otherwise is misusing scripture and misleading. God has not promised an easy life here on this earth. In fact, he's told us that he wants to to give us blessings and to pour out these things. But some of the things he's promised us, honestly, is you must go through many hardships. In the book of Acts chapter 14, it says that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. There's other things that we just like to gloss over because we want the easy route. You know, Paul was speaking to churches that were under tremendous pressure, persecution. Some of them were being killed. And as you read through a lot of the letters that he wrote to them, he doesn't specifically pray for that kind of stuff to go away. He prays for them to have peace and perseverance even through it. And sometimes we just need to like reshape our prayers to say, God, I want to pray these type of prayers. Will you give me peace and perseverance to go through these things? And I still hear, wait, but... But Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain, move, it will move. And I was reminded of this just on Friday from somebody who came up here to pray. Sometimes God moves mountains one pebble at a time. We are limited in our scope and viewpoint of time. God sees it all from beginning to end. Sometimes we expect to just pray and it to happen. And God's like, okay, I'm teaching everybody things through this. And I'm just moving pebble by pebble. You're like, what in the world? And when you feel like you've been left in waiting... You're in good company. Hebrews 11 is where we see some of these heroes of faith, some of the names I listed at the beginning, honestly, people like Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets, people who had had lots of promises given to them. But here's how Hebrews 11, this chapter ends. Hebrews 11 verse 39 says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they'd been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us, they would be made perfect. These great people of faith had promises made to them that they didn't even get to experience because God was working something even greater. This is really hard. And there's this saying, it could be on the Hobby Lobby, um, cliche, wall art of fame, but all in God's timing. And it's just this cliche type of saying, but honestly, there's an undeniable truth in that statement. We get tired of waiting. We get tired of waiting. God's waited for all of us for a long time to come to a saving knowledge of him and put our faith totally in him. And a lot of people that are opposed to Christianity, they'll just say this. Well, that puts you, if you're just willing to trust him, that puts you in a scenario where God can never lose. If he shows up, he's good. If he doesn't, we still have faith in him. And I say, yep. You're right. He can't lose. And that is what faith is. It's believing and trusting. Even if things don't, if I don't get what I want, I still believe that he is good. So let me encourage you. We've talked about how we can pray some different things. To pray more honestly, we lament. To pray with more faith, we live more like Christ. And to pray God's promises, we say this word. We say amen. 
And I, I spoke this the other night at our night of hope. I talked about this word, amen. And this word, amen, is a unique word. It's actually one of the most universally known words in all of the world. Because amen is amen. Amen in Greek is amen. Amen in Hebrew is amen. Amen in English, guess what it is? Amen. In Mandarin, what do you think it is? Um, in French, what is it? Amen. Yeah. All these, it's just amen is amen. And so here's what amen means. It has a, it has a few meanings, but the two primary ones is this, this. So it is and let it be so. So it is and let it be so. So it is and let it be so. And I'm going to explain these. Sometimes we have to pray things. And we pray things, and at the end of our prayer, we, we lift our hands as an act of surrender. And the act of surrender is saying, I prayed all this stuff, God, but you know what? So it is. So it is. I surrender it to you. I'm lifting my hands as an act of surrender. Think about when somebody's under duress and they do this. There's times we have to just say, amen, so it is, God. I surrender it. I surrender it. God, I'm lonely. God, I want somebody in my life, but I believe that you've got something for me, so it is, I surrender. God, I need a miracle in my finances. I don't know what to do right now. I'm struggling, but so it is. I, amen. Amen. There's another meaning. This is an act of surrender. Over here is let it be so. You ever seen a kid when they want their dad to pick them up because they know dad can give them something, and they just kind of do this? Let it be so is calling on heaven to impact earth now. It's saying, God, I know that you're the God of abundance and you can do anything in my life. Let it be so, amen. And you're calling on God to make a difference and an impact now. So I'm surrendering over here. So it is, amen. So when I pray this prayer, I'm praying, just surrender you, God, and I'm coming over here and I'm saying, but let it be so, God, because I believe that you can do anything. So it's a prayer of surrender and a prayer of belief that I have a God that... I trust that he knows best, but I also have a God who can do anything. But amen also has another meaning, and it's the best one. It has a, a meaning that it's, it's the best one, because it's not just a statement of surrender. It's not just a statement of calling on God's power. The amen is a person. Revelation 3.14 says this, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus is the amen in which every promise has been made complete. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God are yes in him. That is why it is through him that we after our amen to offer our amen for his glory. I need you to help me for a minute. I'm going to say some things, and I need you guys to say amen. Death has been defeated. Amen. I can have life and hope forever. Amen. I can believe that God still heals. Amen. We need to claim more of who Jesus is, more victory, that we can still pray for things to happen and God to intervene, but at the same time, I'm going to trust him every step of the way because that's who Jesus is. Because here's the thing. At the end of that passage that we talked about God purifying it, the ultimate goal is that we have hope in salvation, which means a reconciliation with our Father God. That through the death of Jesus Christ, 
we can be made whole and right relationship with God. And because of the power of the resurrection, we can say, okay, I can believe that God still does amazing things and he can bring new life to me and to the situations that I'm going through. He defines my ending. Every prayer, we end with an amen. Every prayer ends calling on and submitting to the promises of Jesus. I'm going to make it through this. I've decided without crying. So I shared my friend's post at the beginning. But what I shared was just a piece. I didn't share the end of her post. So I'm going to share this and I put it on the screen. It says in all this, these things are still true. God is love and he is still good. God did not take my baby girl, but she is now safe with him in heaven. My baby girl will never know pain like us, and that brings us comfort. God is with us in our brokenness, and he grieves with us. Suffering hurts, but our faith in Christ can give it meaning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I rest in this promise. I don't know how. I don't know if I could get there. That's hard. man, we got to learn to just say, okay. I don't, I don't know where you are, God, but I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep having faith. I'm going to believe that your promises will all come to truth. And that even if I have to wait till eternity in heaven, I'll see that you're working stuff out, maybe just one pebble at a time, that it wasn't until my grandparents and my grandkids got to experience some of the, the fruit from my prayers, but God, you're still working things. And while we can't expect God to take away all pain and suffering, we can know that he can use it and redeem it even in the situations we're in now.